Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 177 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we are going to finish our division previews with the Southeast Division. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback are being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brian, I'm so psyched because we have a guest on today who is the biggest Colin Cowell fan, Coward fan we've ever seen, <laughs> and like he's just going to be like all pro on the whole, I don't know who Mo, uh, Bam Adebayo is. So I'm looking forward to to hearing his take on it. You really, I was literally going to run that joke in about three minutes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sad that it's ruined, but I'm going to do it anyway. So just brace yourself. Uh, and on that note, we do have Colin Coward's number one fan, Nikias Duncan, who writes for everywhere. Nikias, how's it going? Um, I am doing fine. I would be a little better if Colin, if Colin Cowherd was here. But uh, <laughs> you got to tame my heart a little bit. I know. I'm gonna do my best impression. I'll, I'll try. I, uh, can, can we just? Can we just like? We all know who Bam Adebayo is. Does that mean we're entitled to his salary and more? Uh, one can only hope. I mean, I would take that salary. Yes. Yeah. 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 But would you dumb yourself down to that extent to take that salary? No, no, no. no that, that's that's what I'm saying. If he's that yeah. dumb, he doesn't even know who Bam Adebayo is, and he's earning like what probably millions a year. We right. know who Bam is, so yeah, yeah. by but that you, logic, we you should be earning more. Like, you have to appeal to the lowest common denominator. You can't provide intelligent analysis if you're getting paid that much. I so mean, would I'm, you willingly dumb yourself down well, to make that much money? Look, I mean, I'm 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 white, I'm straight, and I'm fat. So I would definitely <laughs> like that. That would definitely. I think for Amer- most Americans, they would they would find me very appealing, Brian. Yeah, That's, you might actually be on the Supreme Court. If yeah. You're here. Yeah. Oh no. Well, well, well. I, I would need to go out and sexually assault someone beforehand, right. and that—that's probably where I'll draw the line. Allegedly. allegedly. Alle- oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Allegedly. Yeah. Stephen Colbert right. allegedly inserted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're already off the rails. Uh, Nikias, before we get underway, could you let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Nikias NBA, which is easily the most original name on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Nikias N E K I A S in NBA. Um, I'm writing for a few places, as you said. You can find me at Miami Heat Beat. 
I have some more preseason words coming out today. So be on the lookout for that, kind of chronicling how their games are going, just focusing on the theme and then sprinkling in some notes. Um, B-Ball Breakdown is still in my bio, so you can find me there eventually. Um, B-Ball Index, that site's getting ready to launch soon. You'll catch me, you'll catch some words from me there. Um, and I'm just hopping on podcasts elsewhere, so I'm trying to get around this year. Yeah, you're you're gonna be a busy man if uh, if Tom Thibodeau finally gives in. It seems he needs to, man. This this is, I mean, I know it's not taking long compared to like regular trades, but it's been so public it feels longer than it actually has been, and I'm just I'm over it already. Like this is <laughs> yeah. If if you want to follow Nikias, if only for the ambiguous tweets he sends every day <laughs> that, that people immediately interpret as, oh, he has a source. He says the Jimmy Butler trade's about to happen. It's it's really like been the highlight of my week. Man, it's, it's hilarious, but it's also sad because like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm obviously not Woj, but like right. <laughs> on this specific deal, I am getting some information and I've made it like very clear. Hey, I'm not trying to break this trade. Um, some of the stuff that I do here, I'm not even allowed to say. So I'm just like, if you're expecting me to be like this big news breaker or something of the sort, it's not going to be me. I'm, I'm just getting, giving little nuggets here and there. And yeah. I'll tweet anything, and then my mentions are immediately flooded with eye emojis and what does this mean? And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like I don't get how Woj and Stein and Shan, I don't know how they deal with it. They, it's so they much. Definitely, they just don't read their mentions. There's no way any of those guys read their mentions. I just love the whole subculture there is with with Voge and Shams, like with the whole if 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 there's a Voge bomb you, and, yeah. and Sham has been like second before him, like you got beat in the comment section, yeah. like the first fifth. I actually have an idea. So I always cover the trade deadline here in Denmark on a live feed, and I've spoken to the the company that I work for because we're going to produce it here uh, in in February, obviously in 2019. To get installed like a, a a power button for both Sh- for Shams and Voge, so whoever breaks a trade, I'm gonna <laughs> slam that power button, and you have like something Voge bomb come over the speakers. <laughs> and I'm thinking, with Shams, it's gonna be Sham Wow or something like that. I just I have to figure that out. But I just and then we keep a tally in the bottom corner of the screen, so we see like who wins trade deadline. Oh, that would be a- fantastic. Yeah. That's gonna be a must watch. We'll, we'll be sure to plug that as it comes up. <laughs> um, I'm totally gonna do right. it now. No, now I'm putting myself yeah, on the hook. Yeah, to. yeah. Well, let's start, guys, with the Miami Heat. Obviously, we've been talking about them already, but the big story, of course, is Jimmy Butler. It seems like they are hot in on him. Uh, Mark Stein of the New York Times reported they were making progress on a deal earlier this week until Minnesota changed the terms and backed off. I forget who had the reported terms. I want to say it was like Darren Wolfson of 1500 ESPN, but Nikias, correct me if I'm wrong, if it was someone else. But there was a report out that the Wolves wanted Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo, and a protected 2019 first-round pick. So, Nikias, do your best, Colin Coward. Who is Bam Adebayo? (laughs) I've never heard of this player. Oh, well, Bam Adebayo is one of the more intriguing center prospects in the league right now. Um, he has some ball skills, the ability to grab a rebound, push it, kind of operate a fast break onto itself. Um, he's a role threat. He does need to improve as a finisher a little bit, but he has a seven, three wingspan can jump out of the gym. He dumped on a lot of people last year. Um, very good screener, underrated passer. 
Um, the upside with him is his defensive versatility. Um, he is 6'9", has that 7'3 wingspan, can block shots, but also has very good feet. He can hang on the perimeter, switch on to guards, and hold his own. Um, a few of the highlights he had last year included um, ISO possessions against Steph Curry, where he couldn't get a shot off. LeBron James, where he couldn't get any separation. You know, he had Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns in the same game. ISO against them, they couldn't score. So that's just the kind of versatile player that he can be. He has room to grow, obviously. Um, didn't have a huge role last year, but if he improves on ball, um, become more of a scoring threat, then I think he has the chance to be special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think Coward's whole point, I mean, I, I don't want to like, give him the benefit of the doubt, but I, I think he's doing the whole, like, wait, Bam Adebayo is your sticking point here? Like, why why is this, like, young non-star a sticking point for a star in Jimmy Butler, who is a top 15 player when healthy right now. And, like, from the Heat's perspective, I get it. Because Josh Richardson and Bam, frankly, depending on how you feel about Justice Winslow, they're probably, like, the two highest upside players they have, at least in terms of, like, long-term upside. Right. Um, so that that leads me to my first serious question. Is, like, if you're the Heat, What's the most you are willing to give up for Jimmy Butler right now? Like, do you think they should do that trade? I think they would still need a little bit of salary filler to go in with that. But, like, would you give up Jay Rich, Bam, and a protected first for Jimmy Butler right now? Absolutely not. That is way too much considering Minnesota's lack of leverage overall. Mm. Um, The contract that Jimmy Butler is going to sign next summer. Mm. And as you mentioned, like, Richardson and Adebayo both have upside. And Jimmy Butler right now is at worst a top, what, 14, 15 player. Mm-hmm. So not to kind of poo-poo on his ability, but there isn't much upside there for him. So I don't think you empty the cupboard to get Jimmy in that regard. And on top of that, with Miami salary situation still being bad, they're going to need assets to clear more salary if they want to add a second star. Mm-hmm. If you empty the clip just to get Jimmy, then they're going to be stuck with Jimmy and solid roster pieces, but what's the ceiling there? Maybe a, maybe a fourth seed if things break right. Mm-hmm. So Miami has to be careful here. So what what would you like if you're Miami? What's the deal you would make for Jimmy Butler? Um, I would offer Hassan Whiteside. I'd be willing to throw in Justice, and if not a first, maybe Rodney Magruder, since he seems to be an intriguing three and D piece. He has been balling in preseason for whatever stock you can put into that. Uh-huh. But he's he's he is definitely a teals player. He's hard nosed. He's going to get in your jersey and defend. He can knock down spot up threes. He has improved on ball a little bit, but obviously he's not a star. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of 3 and D guy you can slide in the starting lineup alongside Jeff Teague and Andrew Wiggins, and he doesn't need the ball to be effective. Oh. I can I yeah. play devil, devil's advocate here for a second, even though I completely agree with Nikias? I just want to get this debate started on on what, what everyone <laughs> on Twitter has. Because, look, looking at the H on Miami's roster, like, obviously it – it's catered to having a, a superstar in his prime type of player, you know, i.e. Jimmy. So it makes on some level sense to to trade the kits for him. I totally get where you're coming from, Nikai's, and I and I agree. I'm just trying to paint it from, from the other side. Like you have you locked up so many veterans, uh was it a year and two two years ago where they just handed out virtually like four year contracts to everyone, or was that last year? That was last year. Last year, last year, last year right? So so basically, like, there is a cab in Miami regardless because just of the salary structure. So, but you need that one alpha. 
like that alpha is not there and you look at like you you've got Hassan you've got like Kelly Olynyk you've got Goran Dragic like James Johnson Wayne Ellington those guys like it makes on on some level it makes sense to take Jimmy into that and and, and mm-hmm. give him a team that could be at least intriguing right away but and this is the this is where I also get off the idea like where I just like oh yeah don't 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 get offer that for Jimmy like what's the ceiling like that's mm-hmm. not a finals team it's not. I love Jimmy to death, but yeah, okay. So you pair him with Hassan Whiteside. That that's not a strong pick and roll. Like, yeah, you have Jimmy and Goran Dragic in the backcourt. That's all fine and dandy. That that can produce some wins, but they'll definitely make the playoffs. But they'll get bounced by Toronto, by Philly, by Boston. I mean, right. Milwaukee. Like, I I don't see the upside there, so that's why I I agree initially. Like, yeah, you you gotta go for the for the young kids, but then, then I don't get like what they were trying to do two years ago. I still don't. Yeah, that bringing the players back was never an issue for me because I just didn't. I kind of expected Gordon Hayward to go to Boston, right? But what always bothered me was handing out four year deals, and the Kelly mm-hmm. Olynyk deal ended up being a smart one. But getting James Johnson for four years instead of two. Or a two plus one didn't mm. make sense. Dion Waiters, when there have been multiple reports out that no one else was offering one year, so to give Dion four years never made a modicum of sense. And then the ankle injury has just kind of derailed any value that he had. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that has definitely thrown things off. So I, I guess I understand Miami wanting to get Jimmy because a he's really good, b he raises their ceiling, but also it at least gives you a sense of direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Just, yeah, just the not... wrong direction as well. I mean, that's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, from their perspective, it's like, you know, it, the hardest thing is to get one star, and then they can use Jimmy, in theory, next summer if they could somehow clear salary cap space or make another trade to bring in a second star. Like, I, I you know, they, they're as Nikaya said, it gives them a direction. Like, their direction goes from purgatory mm. to win now. Is that the right direction to go? I don't know. But, like, if you can still keep Justice around, you can still keep Richardson around, you can still keep Adebayo around, they still have a promising young core where they can, like, do a crappy version of what Boston did a couple years ago where they're, like, towing the line between getting this young core and still competing right now. Like, like, Miami just can't do it as well because they have all this big salary tied up. But, you know, after this season, most of those guys only have a year or two on their deals anyway. Like, Whiteside... I think after this year only has the player option, right? So right. like he could be off the books, you know, relatively soon if he bounces back. And let, let's go into Whiteside next. I think that's you know really the other big question. If they don't trade for Jimmy Butler, Hassan Whiteside is their big question mark X factor. I don't know what to call him because you know we've seen his upside. Like he when he's motivated, he is possibly the best shot blocker in the league. But we also saw the downside last year where, you know, he got frustrated with his role in the offense in particular. Uh, He became all but, you know, he was a a gigantic liability in the playoffs against Philly because, you know, he just was lazy and, like, would not go out to guard these stretch fives. Uh, And then, like, not only did Embiid play him off the floor, but, like, Ursa Iliasova played him off the floor, which is much more concerning than Embiid playing him (laughs) off the floor. So, Nikias, I mean, there have been reports, you know, all summer that 
the Heat wanted to trade him, but Pat Riley was trying to kind of like bridge the gap between him and Eric Spolestra and try to like make those guys get on the same page again. Uh, what are your expectations for Hassan Whiteside this season? Well, again, you have to put the it's preseason qualifier out there. Right. But it's hard not to be at least a little bit excited for what Hassan can do this year just because he's looked so good. And his numbers have been great. He's averaging like 15 and 12 in 25 minutes. He's barely missed anything. He's hit a three, which put my mentions in shambles again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, just, just looking at him, he moves a lot better. You could tell on top of the effort issues that I've been pounding the drum on, he legitimately wasn't healthy last year. He, the knee hampered him a good deal. Mm-hmm. And for a guy as big as him who already didn't have great lateral quickness, that just tanked it. And that was another reason why, even if he wanted to try to close out on Ursan Ilyasova at the three-point line, he couldn't because the knee right. was bothering him so bad. So it just kind of compounded the issue. But he's definitely moving better. He's still cleaning the glass on both ends. He's made a presence on in the paint on both ends of the floor. Um, He seems motivated and healthy. And that's really all you can ask for at this point. Um, the screens have been better. And I've definitely been pounding the drum on that. So, you know, time will tell if those kind of things hold. But he's had a strong summer. He has put in the work. Spo has raved about him during um, training camp and during the summer about just how hard he's worked. The preseason has kind of showed the fruit there. So if he can keep that up, I think, you know, that doesn't put Miami in the class of like Philly or someone. Mm-hmm. But I do think their ceiling is going to be a little bit higher just because he can change the game on both ends of the floor when he's playing to his abilities. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing with Miami last year was, like, you have a bunch of, like, strong rotation players, but there was, you know, Goran Dragic made the all-star team, like, as a technicality almost. Like, they they lacked that true all-star caliber talent. But, like, Hassan, when motivated and healthy, has that kind of upside. Josh Richardson, you know, is just so young that, like, he's really freaking good. I think this is probably the year where people start to realize, like, outside of Miami and, like, hardcore NBA fans just how good he is. He's he's 25, though. You keep saying he's so, so young. Can we just, like, he's 25. That's still just entering his prime. Right, but, like, he's not, like, some 20-year-old. I'm just, like, let's put it into context, though. Like, he's probably closer to being a... Not quite finished, but the ceiling isn't as as big. As Ask Andrew Wiggins how age and the ceiling goes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you, I, Thank you. I have nothing. I have nothing to to counter with that. Yeah, that's true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Like he is closer to his ceiling than a Brandon Ingram or something. But like at a certain point, when the trajectory has been going only up, like. I think yeah. it's still reasonable to project more improvement. Oh yeah, than, sure, sure. Yeah, that than a guy like Wiggins, who we've now seen for four years, has just been the same player. <laughs> I am or, so sad or... that we're not talking about the Timberwolves right now. By the way, because <laughs> yeah. I saw oh, a man. great tweet today. Like, if you've been hammered all all summer long by you know by the media by Jimmy, like, and, and your you know motor have been questioned for like yeah. a year and a half. This is what you go out and do in preseason. I know, <laughs> I know it's so bad. He was it's terrible unfilled. last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing a piece right now for Fansided about like the ten players who have the most to prove this year. Andrew Wiggins is number two on my list. It should and be number one. I don't care who <laughs> you have at number. He should Mark, be one through Mark, five. Mark Hell. Mark Hell is number one. No, 
No. Or Cal- no. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> swap the spots, Brian. You got to swap the right. spots. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm open to it. Um, I, another guy who I actually considered for the list, but then, like, there were just too many good options. But Justice Winslow, you know, yeah. last year we actually started to see some, like, point justice, which I thought was really interesting and kind of, like, unlocked some upside for him that I don't think we necessarily saw in those first two years. Like, again, going back to the Philly series, like, he played Markel off the floor last year. Like, Markel had no chance when he was running the second unit offense. So, what are your expectations for him this year? He's entering a contract year. I think just based on, you know, the way the Heat's books are structured, like, it's going to be hard to sign him to an extension. They'll probably just let him test free agency next summer unless he agrees to a really team-friendly deal. So, you know, Are you saying they won't year. sign him to four years? <laughs> well, we'll see next summer. <laughs> but, but, but what do you... What do you see out of him this year? I don't think he he looks at that contract at all. He knows Miami is just handing out four year deals right and left, so I think <laughs> yeah. he's he's fine. Um, yeah. I, I honestly I have a feeling with Justice looking at his first three years, going God, what a what a waste, what a waste. Mm-hmm. I I can do so much better. I and I think he tapped into that mentality a little bit last year, and I hope this year is where he really rolls it out. So coming in, like we were all looking at at Justice becoming as a higher level score than he pr- turned out to be. But that isn't mm-hmm. necessarily a bad thing. And I, I think a lot of people are, are still stuck on that you know, train of thought. Like, oh, he's not a 17-point scorer. That means he's so, sort of a buzzed. No, no. He, he's he's still a solid rebounder. He's improving as a playmaker. What it feels like you know, from a game-to-game perspective, really. The defensive upside is there. He seems to have a very high understanding of the game of basketball, generally speaking. So mm-hmm. what he needs to figure out is when can I apply myself in the right situations offensively? Because you know at this current time, offense is still like the, the biggest weakness he has. So if he just closes that gap somewhat, that's just going to take him like so far ahead of the curve than he has been over the first three years. So that's what I'm looking for. Just a little bit more consistency on offense and then just keep developing in the way he has in, in the other asset of, uh, facets of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about Josh Richardson, you know, like being close to his ceiling just because of his age. Like, Justice is only 22. 22, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, like there's still a lot of room to grow. And I again, I think it just goes back to like the depth or the amount of rotation players Miami has. Like they mm-hmm. go legit 10, 11, 12 deep where he's not going to put up monster stats just because there are so many mouths to feed in that offense. But like, I think it's reasonable to still be high on justice. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if in these Jimmy Butler talks, his name pops up at some point, too. Because, oh, yeah. like, that's the type of player you should be going after if you're in Minnesota. Especially yeah. just given the given his age and then, like, the age of Townsend Wiggins. Like, he's on that same developmental age curve as those guys are. Yeah. yeah. Just honestly, if you swap Wiggins for Winslow, just hypothetically, like, how much better does Minnesota become? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even trying. Yeah. To, I'm not even trying to, to make a joke here, but just right. like just just from a facilitating standpoint, like from a defensive standpoint, like he he doesn't have come in with this idea that oh I have to take like 17, 19 shots a game, and mm-hmm. like he just comes in with this very team first attitude. He would fit so well in with Towns, like he would get Tyus Jones going, like he would come in and just fit seamlessly in with that type of group. That could be yeah. fun. So 
Uh, I still think Minnesota's trying to trade the wrong guy, but I, I know, you know, Jimmy demanded a trade, so... <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I think Minnesota would happily trade Wiggins, too. Yeah. I just don't think anyone uh, wants him. Uh, I would agree. But I, I just, oh, I love that idea of having a, that, yeah. a guy like Winslow. Not, And I think when you think of Winslow, you also think, like, how good could he be on other teams that have, like, these superstar players? You kind of feel a little bit that he's wasting his time in Miami because there isn't that that one guy that he can kind of feed off and develop from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it should also present him with an opportunity to take all the spotlight at some point. That's true. Um, before we move on, last question about Miami. We already kind of hinted at this earlier, you know, just talking about their ceiling. But, uh, Nikias, let's assume they don't make the Jimmy Butler deal. What do you think the ceiling for this team is this year? Um, it's going to depend on health. Miami dealt with a lot of health mm-hmm. stuff last year. And that's kind of where having 10, 11 good rotation players helped them. Mm-hmm. Cause you can still kind of keep the, keep the train on the tracks there. You can just pl- plug and play. But, um, just looking at them, I kind of slide them in, in that six to eight range, probably closer to six. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, Boston's going to be at the top. Toronto's going to be at the top fighting with Boston. Philly should be there. Um, okay. Milwaukee played Chicago in the preseason game. Yeah, and it's preseason, and it's Chicago, and we're not expecting them to defend. But that offense looked so modernized, mm-hmm. and they produced so many corner threes, and Giannis was so efficient. It, people should be scared of Milwaukee this year, just from a schematic yeah. standpoint. I love um, Milwaukee in that game, man. I was just blown yeah. away. They were so good. They were so good. It's it's almost like we've been saying for months that it is. upgrading to Bud was a massive like. <laughs> oh boy, I wish we had are. Brian. I wish yeah. we had been harping on the Bucks since June or early June. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I saw a tweet yesterday from like Sports Illustrated naming the Bucks and the Nuggets as surprise teams. I'm like, who's surprised by these <laughs> yeah. teams? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone paying attention would know. Right. <laughs> right. Like, so I guess the toss-up there with Miami, you would say between them and Washington, and that's yeah. really going to depend on. I mean, we'll get into it, but that's going to depend on the locker room mostly. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I do think Miami's firmly going to be in like that five, six, seven range, and then from there, it's just going to depend on who they match up with in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Like, I would not be excited to see Miami in the playoffs again. Like, I know the Sixers won that series in five, but like. That was a hard-fought series. I think Miami, again, like that depth really gives them a floor that I don't think a team like Washington has. Like if John Wall or Bradley Beal goes down, that's probably all she wrote for Washington getting out of the first round. Or like if Victor Oladipo goes down, that's it for Indiana most likely. But like Washington, if you lose Goran Dragic or if you lose Josh Richardson, like you can plug and play, as you said, where, you know, hopefully everyone stays healthy, of course, but... Yeah, I mean, I think they should be comfortably penciled in as a playoff team. And I think, as you said, somewhere like 6-7 is probably right right in line with that. Is that with the expectation that Dwayne Ellington is going to repeat what he did last year? Uh, I would imagine so. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard to imagine him keeping it up. But also, once you take that many high-pressure shots, and you maintain your efficiency with that kind of volume, it's also mm-hmm. hard to see a dip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not doubting Ellington per se. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, we could be looking at a, at a one-year spike where he would just return to, I don't want to say normal, because he was a better shooter. He, he's always been a better shooter than his earlier stats indicated. Like, he just didn't get the right looks, and Miami, he really found his role 
and I think he's still going to be like insanely good. I, mm. I just have that. I have a slight concern in the back of my head that he's not going to to maintain the same kind of volume on the same efficiency, just a little bit. Not saying he's going to dip down to like being a thirty-two percent shooter at all, but yeah. like maybe just take a small dip. I hope not. I hope he proves me wrong and he increases because God, I love him as a player. He's so much fun to watch. He is fun to watch. It no shot is too, no shot is not open enough for Wayne Ellington. Oh, man. <laughs> it does not matter who is guarding him, coming off of screens, spot up opportunities. It just does not matter the pump and side step. He has all that in his bag. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hey, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the. Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, guys, let's move on to the only Washington institution with potentially worse chemistry than the United States. <laughs> I think that's, that's really the question with Washington this year, right? Like, cannot blow up internally and, like, force everyone to get traded by the trade deadline. We have to start with Dwight Howard, who they acquired for nothing. I mean, they signed him for the taxpayer level exception. After trading away Marcin Gortat, you know, Gortat and John Wall, I'd say by the end of the season, like it was an open secret how much they hated each other. <laughs> that said, was it even a secret? Yeah, no, just like, yeah, openly out there how much they hated each <laughs> other. But, but that said, now you're bringing in Dwight Howard, who has worn out his welcome at each of his last three teams very quickly. I mean, Atlanta salary dumped him. Charlotte dumped him for Timofey Mozgov, like you hit rock bottom in your <laughs> NBA career when you get salary dumped for Timofey Mozgov, and then the Nets were like, "No, we don't want you. Absolutely not. Go away. Like we we, we just wanted to get rid of that contract. We have no interest in keeping you." So, I, I mean, like I, in terms of on court, I mean, he put up decent numbers last year. Like in theory, he should be an upgrade over what Gortat brought, right? Mm-hmm. But do you have do you guys have any faith in this thing actually like lasting the whole year harmoniously? Uh, God, I mean, I th- I think it is kind of feasible simply because you know he's bounced around so much now that I, I cannot imagine any human being not at some point looking himself in the mirror going, "Hey, maybe it's me." <laughs> yeah, right. Then again, it is Dwight Howard, so yeah. maybe so. I'm I'm hoping for his sake that he finally finds a home, though. I, I, mm-hmm. I would like a little bit more Dwight Howard stability because, you know, we make fun of the guy as a person, and mm. I understand that. But his game has been has been scrutinized to a point where I feel he's become underrated as a basketball player, not as a as a agree. you know as a person and or as a locker room presence and whatnot. Like as a as a, solely as a basketball player, he's like they got to steal with that contract. He's mm-hmm. he's going to give you like fourteen and twelve couple blocks and and great efficiency around the rim, like for, for what five and a half mil, like yep. however you slice it. Even if oh yeah, it's not new age basketball, that's great fucking value, great fucking mm-hmm. value. It's just a matter of can he coexist with others, and 
you know, him accepting a deal in that scale, I think Hope could like make him more <laughs> applicable to go, hey, you know what? I have realized that I'm not at this $25 million player anymore. I, I will I will take a back seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the question, right, that's the question, is like, is he going to continue demanding post-ups or is he going to realize as a 32-year-old that like your identity, 33. especially with John Wall, is he 33? Yeah, oh, yeah he's, from, he's from 85. Wow. Uh, I don't know, he's still 32 though, right? He doesn't turn 33 till December. Oh, oh well, then he has all the time in the world. A plus yeah. potential. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, plenty of ceiling left. But, it, like, you know, he can realize, like, I have a great pick-and-roll partner in John Wall. That's all I should do on offense. Just run a million pick-and-rolls, clean up on offensive glass, get some yeah. putbacks, easy dunks, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. post-up is not, like, we should not be running that many of these plays for me. It's not efficient. Yeah, it's just screw not gonna... that I played with Steve Nash. Doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I, that right. doesn't matter. I... John Wall is my pick and roll partner. This is when I'm going to accept that I'm a pick and roll partner. Yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> you know, when he played with Steve Nash, he was 27. Now he's 32. Like, these last five years, as you sh- said, should have been yeah. very humbling for yeah. him. Yeah. But it's you know, that's the question. Were they? Um, hey guys, do you have any thoughts on Dwight? Like, one would hope that he finally gets it. I mean, he, as you said, he's going to give you 14 12 easy like mm-hmm. i mean he's still a physical specimen down low he still can protect the rim he's still a very good role man when he actually wants to scream but then you get to your point like he had i'm looking at synergy now over 200 more post-ups than pick and roll possessions last year and he's playing and he's playing with kimba uh, so uh, it's it just doesn't make sense I do think he's a better player than Martin Gortat, and he should definitely help the defense more than Gortat did. I am a little bit concerned about the offensive fit because if Gortat could do nothing else, he's going to set great screens. And I yeah. feel like the relationship with Wall, I think he kind of took some of that anger out on the people that he was screening. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's at worst like a top three screener in the league. Yeah. And Dwight can be that guy, but he hasn't been. Right. And you know, John Wall is going to be a guy that's going to let him know, hey, you need to set this screen. So um, I'm just kind of curious to see how receptive how receptive he's going to be to that or if he just kind of bites the bullet and screens hard and rolls hard on his own. And if he yeah. does, I think that definitely takes Washington to another level because they have top-tier talent. I mean, Otto Porter's really good. Bradley Bill is really good. John Wall is obviously really good. Dwight Howard, at least from a production standpoint, is still a top 10, 12 center. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I mean, their starting lineup was really good last year with Gortat. You know, in theory, you add Dwight Howard, who has more pop offensively and is a better defensive player, he should improve them. But it's really going to boil down to Dwight accepting his role. Right. And, and we've talked about that in previous episodes or previous previews with, like, it's the same thing with, like, Dennis Schroeder and OKC, Carmelo and Houston now it's like these guys have gone through these humbling experiences if you accept your role you could be major difference makers um if you don't <laughs> you're going to be malcontents and you could threaten the structural integrity of your entire team and Dwight Howard is another one of those guys on my list of people who need to prove themselves mostly because he got salary done for Timofey Moskov but <laughs> while I was researching for that piece I did find something speaking of the screening Nikias was uh, someone from the Charlotte Observer said, like, a team source just said, like, 
Howard's screens are terrible, and he just <laughs> wouldn't run plays. Like he would just go, he would go freelance on plays, and that's why they wanted him out so much. So I, may I mean, I, I, oh yeah, go for it. Uh, I was just gonna say, I think he's like the big storyline with Washington this year. Is like, can he get back to? I don't think he's gonna go back to like eight-time All-Star Dwight Howard and like three-time <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year Dwight Howard. But you know, can you get back from? I got to how he dumped for Timofey Mozgov and, you know, be a productive player. Well, time will tell. <laughs> so I, I, I read, uh, you know, two of Shaq's books, you know, Shaq talks back and what, what the hell was the Shaq uncut or something like that. I don't know what it's called. And in one of those books, Shaq uh, actually talked about setting screens. Like he oh. would, he would just brush off screens. Like I don't want screens. Just, I'm going to uh-huh. go down, down low and I'm just going to demand the basketball. I don't, I, like, he had a guard, like, call him out, like, come set a screen. And he's just like, nope, not going to do that. <laughs> I, I don't do, I'm Shaq. I don't do that stuff. And now oh, when you boy. think about the way that Dwight was treated in Orlando with, hey, you're Shaq 2.0, right? With all that right. hype. So how many years did he spend in Orlando? Like seven, eight, something like that? Yeah. yeah. All right. Like eight. So eight, yeah. Like, he has eight years maybe of that mentality going through him right now. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Nikai's, you know, totally. Like, he could be that screen setter as Marching Gortat. He just has to understand it. He has to sacrifice himself a little bit more. You know, this yeah. idea that, hey, I'm going to go down the low block, it's it's outdated. And I will give him credit for this. He was on, I think, he, he had an interview with, uh, was it NBC Washington, something like that, you know, one of the sports channels, where he was like, I'm going to shoot threes this year. I'm going to be taking threes this year because I have to extend my career and I understand that's a necessary component to actually extend it. So mm-hmm. that at least intrigues me somewhat. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to have like a Marcus Gasol renaissance three-point no. affair uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But if he could go out there and just on occasion hit a, hit a few, mm-hmm. uh, that could change games a little bit. Yeah, it definitely could. Uh, the other two additions they made this summer, I feel like they were kind of like low key the Lakers of the East. Like we we roundly made fun of the Lakers for adding everyone aside from LeBron James that they did, and then the Wizards also got roundly made fun of because they add Dwight Howard. They also traded Gortat for Austin Rivers and bring in Jeff Green, um, who was like you know by all accounts a great guy, but just a very frustratingly inconsistent player. What do you think those guys bring to the table for Washington? Because, you know, the Wizards bench for the last couple of years has been just a toxic train wreck of awful. Like, in theory, those guys should be an upgrade. But do you have faith that they actually will be? I have faith in Austin Rivers. I feel like Austin Rivers is a guy that has gotten a lot more crap than he's deserved over the last two or three years just because of the dog element. Mm -hmm. But he has legitimately developed into a solid two-way shooting guard. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can knock down spot up threes, can knock down some off the dribble. He can operate a pick and roll. Um, he's a good on ball defender. If nothing else, I have faith in him kind of solidifying that second unit. Miami, uh, excuse me, Washington already kind of staggered Bill and Wall a lot when they were both mm-hmm. healthy, just to kind of keep somebody on the floor that can run the offense. So I think having Austin Rivers alongside either one of those two is going to have the offense above water. Um. Jeff Green is just kind of meh. He was good last night, so I can't talk too much trash about him. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just don't know. Jeff, he's a body. 
He's going right. to have a good two-week stretch. You just kind of have to hope it's going to be in the playoffs and not in January. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't know. Like, Austin Rivers is the only guy I really have faith in between on that bench. So yeah. it's really going to depend on just how much of an impact he can have. But, you know, look at last season, and really their only two dependable reserves were Kelly Oubre and Tomas Sadoransky. So, like, just having another body in Austin Rivers, who is a quality NBA player, like, I think, who was their backup point guard last year? Like, Ramon Sessions? And Tim Frazier? Like, Tim Fra- I do like Tim Frazier, but... Yeah, but, like... You know, when you're relying on Tim Frazier. Right. That, Austin Rivers <laughs> is a clear upgrade over those guys. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that will be... It's going to give them a boost. How um, come y'all, none of y'all have talked about the next Iggy on this roster? Are, are you going to say Troy Brown? Who's not yeah, gonna hell yeah. Minutes? Hell yeah, I'm talking about Troy Brown Jr. Oh, no. Yeah. Hell yeah, I am. Moritz <laughs> big into players who aren't going to play. Like, he's very into Anthony Simons, who is just not going to play a single minute this year. Yeah. Big on Anthony Simons. I am. He's, Look, hey, I... If I identify a rookie I like, I'm going to stand for him <laughs> until he proves me wrong. Look, I respect that. Yeah, Troy Brown Jr. is going to be better than Jeff Green by the All Star break. Mm. That is very, a very high bar to clear. It's, that is not a hard bar, but but you know the perception is reality in this league, and yeah. that's just the way it's played. But he is going to be a guy moving forward that people are going to talk about, and I've noticed that in previews and when people talk about Washington. Like, he's rarely mentioned at all. This dude can play. It's just a matter of giving him minutes. And you, you need that guy who can tie together an offense and a defense and also can tie together rotations. Like, I have a feeling that guy is going to be one of John, John Wall's boys because he's going to, mm-hmm. you know, put in the work. I, I'm very excited about Troy Brown Jr. Like, if we did the top five over Washington storylines, D- Dwight Howard would be lower on my list than Troy Brown. But do you think he gets minutes? Do you think Scotty Brooks is creative enough to give him minutes? Oh, I, I want to say yes so bad, but I can't. I can't. Exactly. I can't. <laughs> the thing is, the yeah. thing is, though, you know what would be fun to actually give Troy Brown Jr. those backup, you know, point guard minutes. I think that could be hell of fun. He can handle the and, ball. He can initiate the offense. Yeah, because Austin. I mean, Rivers could play the either. Two. Yeah, he position, can. Really. Yeah, I I prefer Rivers though at the, at the two. I got it. Yeah, that. yeah. Uh, we also need to talk. It's, we gotta have some real talk about John Wall because more. You know, you were talking earlier about like Dwight Howard needs to look in the mirror and realize, you know, <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah, John Wall might need to look in the mirror and have that same conversation. I know Zach Lowe has been harping on this about how he was like one of the slowest players in the league or in terms of like, you know, when he's going to the rim, he's, you know, had ridiculous speed as he always had. But otherwise he kind of just stands around and like loafs around to the court mm-hmm. a lot, which is not great. Uh, you know, the, 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 the gripes with Gortat were one thing, but like there was that thing a couple of years ago with him and Beal where he's like, yeah, we don't really like each other on the court that much. Like, you know, John Wall needs to be their on-court leader. He's their highest-paid player. He's got right. that super max kicking in next year. He had a, you know, if you look at his box score from last year, he had still like 19 points, almost 10 assists a game. Like, yeah. it looks good, but it was a definite downgrade from the year prior. Oh, yeah. He missed 41 games with some knee issues. Are you concerned at all about John Wall moving forward? Do you think he can be the the leader that the Wizards need him to be? 
first of all, let me just say that if John Wall doesn't want to look himself in the mirror after that picture being taken at Team USA, I can kind of understand it. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be fair. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, look, John is very volatile, isn't he? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if, if things doesn't really move his way, he's just got to... I don't want to say quit because he he doesn't. I, I never look at, at him as a quitter, but he does like disengage himself a little bit. Like mm-hmm. then then it doesn't really matter. Like he he's going to blow it out of proportion. He needs to grow up. Honestly, I, there's no other way to really put it. And in terms of being the leader, you know, you have these alphas who on occasion just aren't great leaders. Like they're great players. You, you they can lead you, you know, lead you statistically to a championship, but they might not be the, you know the heart of the team. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at a guy like Kevin Durant, like, and and it's not men in a negative sense. Some guys just aren't these, you know, naturally vocal leaders. Katie was never that guy. He he led by example. He still does, and I think Wall to some extent like is like that, but he wants to be more like he wants to be the traditional communicative leader, and he just isn't. Like he's not breaking through that barrier. People are like, yeah, okay, John, yeah, shut up. I'm not going to listen to you. So I think what he needs to do is just go in a different route and say, all right, fine. You know what? I'm, I'm going to let Bradley take care of, of you know the traditional leadership qualities because he's a better communicator. And I'm just going to go out there and ball my ass off. I'm going to go out there and drop 25 and 10 with five mm-hmm. boards and two steals and a block a game. And I'm going to help my team in the best way that I can by using my talent because – Here's the thing, and I've been saying this for a while. From a talent standpoint, John mm-hmm. Wall is could be a top five player. He is that mm-hmm. good. He is that insanely good. He showed that last season, like 23 and 11 with two steals. He was amazing. He was just ridiculous. It's just a matter of realizing how do I utilize my game to the, to the best of my team's abilities. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and, and that and kind of that leads into my last question about the Wizards is, you know, you, we, you mentioned them kind of in that 6-7 range with the Heat. Do you think there's a scenario in which they surprise us all and they turn into, like, a surprise dark horse for a top forward seed in the East? Um, yeah, I'm sure that would be a, um, a Black Mirror episode in season four. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can legit grab the third seed. I mean, you know, Boston and Toronto are kind of – Top tier Philly, not far behind them at all. But, you know, if Philly does suffer like a little bit of a dip while they're trying to integrate Markel Fultz into the lineup or if they have injury concerns with Fultz or Embiid, like Washington, again, they have up in, um, upper end talent. That's kind of why they always play better in the playoffs than in the regular season because mm-hmm. the starters play more. They, to their credit, they step up their intensity and they all, no matter what the seed is, they always end up posing more of a problem because their guys come to play. So they have it in them to be like a top three seed. But it's, I don't know, it's accountability, it's consistency. Um, not so much the bench this year. I think the bench is going to be better, but mm-hmm. they just have so many question marks that it's hard to be confident in them. And they talk so much. Yeah. <laughs> they talk so much. You don't even want to believe in them at this point just because they've said so much. Um, I think it was Marquise Morris just a week or so yeah, ago yeah, saying, yeah. you know, Boston's never been better than us. I'm just like, they've right. sent you home packing. I don't know why. <laughs> Even if you believe that, and I can get that from a competitive standpoint, don't say it. You're giving right. more bulletin board material to other teams, and you're putting yourself out there when you haven't proven anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love for Washington to just put their head down and ball out because the talent is there. 
but I mean, they just have to they have to put in the work. They have to prove that. Right. Yeah. Like, didn't they spend all of training camp saying no more talking, and then they've already started talking again? <laughs> Marquise Morris gets <laughs> attacked in a preseason game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, right. and it's like you you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. 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 And if yeah. you have to say no more talking multiple times, <laughs> right? Like, not a not a great sign. So yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. The Wizards, like, <laughs> I think you phrased it well. There is a Black Mirror episode in which they do coalesce <laughs> and come together, but we're assigning probabilities here. It's not high on the list. That, that that's a 100k tweet right there. Just pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clear. All right, oh. let's move into the Charlotte Hornets. Who oh, do we have to? Know, yeah, that, see, the rest of <laughs> like the rest of this division is just so shitty. Like, there's a reason we saved this one for the last because it's just like, uh, yeah, it's hard can, can to get just, excited about any of these teams. Can we just talk about Miles Bridges for the entirety yeah. of the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's one of the the positive storylines for this team because there's really not much else going for him. So yeah, go go ahead, sing Miles Bridges' praises. No, he's NBA ready. I mean, yeah. look, I I don't care about preseason. Um, I, I mean, he had a fine debut. I want to say, God, he threw down some nice dunks. Uh, but but he seems very confident. And you know, two years of college. Again, I'm I'm not the biggest proponent of the NCAA. You know this. But two years of college didn't prepare him. I think he's coming in with this chip on his shoulder that he didn't get drafted higher because he stayed at Michigan State with that. You know, goal in mind. Like he returned to to see an increase in his draft stock, and he was not drafted as high as he was hoping to. And he seems to be really digging into that right now. And I think that chip is going to carry on throughout the rest of the season. Like that team is going nowhere. But I have a feeling that he's going to be one of those guys that you kind of tune into League Pass once in a while to just catch up. He's going to be on ESPN. He's going to be all on the top ten list once in a while. But not necessarily just for his dunks. He's an active defender. Like he's gonna get the highlight mm-hmm. blocks. He's gonna get some really impressive steals as well, where he just picks someone's pocket. Like I love his versatility. He's a great rebounder. He can push the ball in transition. His playmaking is really good. Like he he's he's like a, a good at everything. He's just not a master of anything yet. But I think that mm-hmm. can come in time. Like he's he's going to be above re- average in so many categories. That when we see a Miles Bridges age 23, 24, oh boy. Mm -hmm. Well, he's already 22, right? I thought he was 21. Oh, no, he's only 20. Yeah, no, no, he's just Oh, he's 21. Oh, nice. Even better. (laughs) He's only 20. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. I can't do math. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, they don't need That's why you married a doctor. She can do math for you, Brian. She ironically cannot. She's even worse. I'm actually very good at simple math. That was just a total brain fart. We need 50 cc um, stats, huh? Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) That, yeah. Uh, Luckily, they they don't need him to be an all-star right away. Like, if he is that kind of glue guy 
I feel like that's the role they wanted Michael Kidd-Grill Chris to fill, but he just never quite developed offensively. But, like, they have guys like Kemba and Jeremy Lamb and Nick Batum to really shoulder the offensive load. And then defensively, it's kind of, you know, we were talking about Dwight Howard, Nikias. Is it? This is going to sound mean to say, but is losing Dwight Howard going to be addition by subtraction for the Hornets this year? Um, I think overall, yes. Just because Cody Zeller, he may not be a better player, but he is certainly a better fit for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. He sets screens. He rolls hard. He cleans the offensive glass. He's a good positional defender. Mm. And, you know, new head coach James Borrego, he wants to play fast, and that fits what Cody Zeller wants to do. Charlotte's mm-hmm. already at a pace of, I think, 109 this preseason. Wow. Um, yeah, they have really emphasized moving fast. I think I read about a week or so ago that during training camp, they play, they practice with like a 12-second shot clock. Just to kind of get drill, just to drill those guys that hey, we're gonna move fast, we're gonna get into our actions quick, and we're gonna we're gonna move. And Charlotte mm-hmm. has done that, so I think Zeller's definitely gonna help them more in that regard. Um, I'm interested. I'm ready to see healthy Zeller. Uh, he yeah. looks like he's had a little bit more of a green light offensively through the first few games. Obviously, it's preseason, but you know, just trying to catch some trends out of there. Charlotte's playing faster, and Cody Zeller already looks like he's fitting right in. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know they've got Willie Hernan Gomez, who is a Good. He'll be like a totally adequate backup. Frank Kaminsky's there too. He can kind of fill the role that Zeller does offensively off the bench. So, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds mean, but I agree that like <laughs> there's a non-zero chance that, as you said, like Dwight Howard is a better player overall. But like sometimes you, if you are, if you've got a Dwight Howard who's a better player, but he doesn't fill the role he's asked to play, and you've got Cody Zeller who is a role player, but he accepts being a role player. Besides that's the- an upgrade. Like, that's how basketball works. It can't all be all-stars. Um, you know, we were, we were talking about Washington-Miami being in that 6-7 range. I feel like, you know, assuming Washington doesn't completely implode, we could more or less safely pencil them in to one of those spots. And Miami, I think, is a safe playoff team, too. Right. So it feels like the 8 seed comes down to Detroit versus Charlotte. I mean, depending on if you feel like Cleveland is going to be a potential playoff team, I think, I think the Bulls are, you know, now that um, Markkanen's out for a while, that probably ends any sleeper playoff oh, bug oh yeah, they were going to get. Uh, I've already coined a, a phrase for the Chicago season. Baron for Barrett. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. That, so, you know, again, it's Detroit versus Charlotte. Do you think Charlotte has a realistic chance to make the playoffs this year? <laughs> Just based on, you know, a lack of candidates and the fact right. that Kimba Walker, Kimba Walker is still – Amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't <laughs> rule them out entirely, but I don't anticipate seeing them play in late April. I will, yeah. I'll say as much. Uh, it, it really depends on how this team kind of functions. Like if if the, if the coaching change is going to have a drastic impact, and it, and if the lag of Dwight just creates a more heavy ball movement in in the offense, and they take teams by surprise. Because look, teams are going to come in. And think, oh, this is a W right here. And mm-hmm. if they can just take like five or six of those games, that's going to swing them up significantly. That's so I, I can't rule it out. Kemba will need to yeah, stay healthy first and foremost, which shouldn't be an issue. And he'll have to lay down like 25 a game. But, you know, he has that capability. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, they benefit from being in a crappy division. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The- the four games against Orlando and the four games against Atlanta, 
if you don't go at least three and one in each of those, you don't deserve to make the playoffs <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, they need to look at eight zip for those. They really yeah. do. Yeah, and they need right. to pound on the teams like Chicago and New York. I mean, if they're if they come in, it has to be because they they're just beating up you know the lesser half of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Nikias Wart and I have talked in at length about kind of Kemba Walker's future with the team. And, you know, both of us kind of thought, like, this summer would have made sense to trade him, even last trade deadline, because we just didn't really see a way in which he re-signs next summer. That said, he has come out and said he wants to. I mean, he would not be the first player to say that and then leave anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, CC Kevin Durant. (laughs) Um, So what do you do if you're Charlotte? You know, he's got he's coming up on free agency he's been vastly underpaid he's going to be now that Kyrie Irving says he's sticking with Boston I mean Kemba is probably the best free agent point guard on the market mm-hmm. if you're Charlotte and you I mean if you I think if you fall out of the playoff race completely you have to trade him but even if you don't like say you're in that mix for the eight seed how do you balance that with you know we could lose Kemba for nothing in July well, just to um, just kind of touch on Kimba's free agency, um, being basically 30 minutes outside of Charlotte, kind of being around the area, Kimba absolutely wants to stay in Charlotte. I do not think he, I do not think he's blowing smoke on that at all. And Charlotte very much wants to keep him. Now, mm-hmm. if you're asking me if Charlotte should trade him, absolutely. Yeah. Kimba should have been gone a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there is any debate. Charlotte needs to get rid of Kimba, if for no other reason than to send him to a playoff, a consistent playoff team, because he deserves that much. Right, but it's in terms of his actual interest. I I do not doubt at all that Charlotte is going to throw like a five year deal at Kimba on July first. Wow, interesting. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, he he loves the area. He does a lot of community outreach in this area. Um, but yeah, Charlotte absolutely should be looking to move him because they can fight for eight. I think would really hurt them. They've always been a pretty decent team in terms of net rating. They have mm-hmm. completely plummeted during clutch play. Um, yeah. When they made the playoffs in 15-16, they were fifth in clutch net rating. They have been 17th and 19th the last two years, and they still ended up with like a positive net overall, which is why it's, it's just been weird that they fall so far under 500 but still produce like a borderline playoff team. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I guess if you're looking at health, um, if they play better during four quarters, there's a realistic chance of them getting to eight. But I don't think Charlotte should try to cap themselves. They need to move Kemba now really embrace a youth movement to get a better duration going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize he was that serious about staying in Charlotte. Like I, that would influence the direction I guess they take. Like, I don't think they trade him. I think they should, but I don't think they do. Cause I think yeah. if they were going to, they would have done it already. Yeah. They wanted an um, all-star return. Wasn't that what Mike said? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So just a question to, for you guys, because, I was talking about, you know, Kemba with one of my friends the other day and he was like, Is Kemba the best you know, the best player if you go like from organization to organization, is he like the best Hornet? Like is he the leading guy for like the Hornets from a franchise perspective? Like if you look at the totality of the Charlotte Hornets. Is he the best player? The best Hornet of all time? I, I, I was like the my initial reaction was like, No, you know, Sos got him beat, LJ right. like that. And then it just dawned on me, like, their tenures were pretty damn brief. Yeah. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, Kimba became their fr- franchise leading scorer last year. Right. So uh, I would probably lean towards Kimba in that regard, actually. 
Which yeah, and, would, and, and, would, and hmm. yeah, and if 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 so, like obviously, I think you know the community in Charlotte, like they're trying to build something stable. I could mm-hmm. see them just kind of going with that route, thinking, okay, this might be the best Hornet we've had here ever. Losing him would be just just totally critical for our business plan. Like, mm-hmm. let's get him locked up, and then if if we suck, we suck. But if we lock him up for like four years, five years maybe, you know, he'll maybe retire as in a different jersey. But he can look back and say, "Hey, Kemba Walker, now we have an asset. Like we can have a Kemba Walker night when he's retired. Whatever." Like, right. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like I, Zoe was the first one who came to mind. But you're right; he only lasted there a couple of years. And like Larry Johnson, I guess. But yeah, th- not... those two, but like, yeah, I mean, they yeah. weren't there for oh. so long. It, 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 right. it was just an, it, it was an interesting question because you know, like you. Like both of you, I've been having the same thought. Like, yeah, of course they should trade him. Like, you know, move forward, yada yada yada. But then, mm-hmm. you know, my friend asked me that question. I was like, huh? I wonder if that changes their perspective of right. wanting to move him because if he is, that's a hard sell on people. Like, they get real loyal down there. Yeah, oh, and, yeah and it goes. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Nick. Guys, oh, I was just I was agreeing with more. Like, absolutely, yeah. Again, Charlotte loves him, and he loves Charlotte. Right. So mm-hmm. I that's why I don't expect Charlotte to move him, but they absolutely should do so if right. you're just looking from a purely, you know, three four year ahead type standpoint. Mm. Yeah, it, it comes back to like what each franchise defines as success. Like, because not every franchise is in championship or bust mentality, and I think mm-hmm. Charlotte in particular knows like. We're in, in no position to win a championship. We're not going to be for a while. Like maybe forty-five win season in a playoff spot is a success for them. In which case, they should keep Kemba as long as they can because he could provide that. Like that's the ceiling. But if they're happy with that ceiling, then by all means. Right. Particularly <laughs> this year because Charlotte's going to have the All Star game. So it, right, what kind right. of behoove them to kind of keep Kemba there as kind of like a whole star? Yeah. Yeah. All That's right. So we we're breaking it right now, right? Kemba Walker resigns with with Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> on a five year max. <laughs> on a five year yeah. max deal. Yeah. All right. Ooh, Lock it in. Do it. Lock it in. Yikes! Yikes! Godspeed, Charlotte. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks, and we're gonna we're gonna play a game. And it's called Talk About Trey Young without mentioning Luka Doncic. Well, you just did. No, that's 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 it. That's the only Luca mention we get. You just did it again. <laughs> so neither of you could actually succeed at this game. <laughs> oh, you know my, you know the answer to my. I mean, come on, I can't. Right. No, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's going to be the whole storyline with Trey, of course, and that sucks because, like, Trey Young. You know, even if he's not as good as Luka Doncic, he could still be a really good player. And, like, you also get the top five protected pick next year. It's going to be years and mm. years before we know who, like, won or lost that trade. There's a chance that both teams actually won. But what are your expectations more for Trey Young this year? Oh, you know, 
he, I think he's going to struggle with his shooting percentages, and I think that's going to be the main narrative, and I think it's going to be totally unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people look at him for some reason as he's, you know, as a senior coming out of college because of that stat line. You know, yeah. and it, it, that was always unfair to him. He was a freshman. He's extremely young. He's 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 very raw in some in some respects. I mean, look, he's got a you know obviously not in the shooting part department or, or playmaking department, but in other areas of the game, he's just not that that physically ready. He's not. I I I can't comment on you know if he's mentally ready yet or what, but I could just see him rushing shots. You know, trying to get into that shooting rhythm a little bit more, like just trying to gauge NBA defense defenses in a general sense. Like, all right, where can I get my shot? You know, this guy's going mm-hmm. under under the screen, so where do I pull up from exactly? Do I take one more dribble to really create further separation? Do I just pull up right now? Like, I think he's going to have a lot of those thoughts that's going to produce, you know, maybe a, a 32% from downtown, you know, percentage or something, and people are going to be, oh, he's not that, you know, he's not that great of a knockdown shooter as coming into the league, which I don't think is fair. It depends mm-hmm. entirely on the offense, and, and Atlanta is going to be horrible on top of that. And I, so I expect you know Trey to to be scrutinized a little bit, uh, which is again very unfair. Uh, what I hope from him is just that he finds a way to just mute that whole conversation and just focus on his development and focus on you know polishing his playmaking skills because they're there. He just needs to find a way. To, to speed it up to NBA speed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if he does that, yeah. then he's on the right path. I think he's on, a, uh, on the right path regardless. Uh, he's going to be good. It's just yeah. a matter of time. Right. I, I think, you know, he's being surrounded by what would probably be considered, like, a lack of a lot of, like, really good NBA talent is not going to help him. Like, teams are just going to be able to send double teams at him, especially mm-hmm. if they realize he's going to be the point of attack every night, um, which leads to my next question to Caius is, you know, Atlanta, like they're very much at the beginning stages of a rebuild, but they do have some promising young pieces in Trey Young. They have Torian Prince, who really came on toward the end of last year. They also have John Collins, who, right. you know, I'd say vastly exceeded expectations as a rookie, looking like one of the steals of the last year's draft class already. Mm. Who do you think is Atlanta's best player moving forward? Um, best player moving forward, I think is going to be Trey, just because I do believe in the shooting and I definitely believe in the playmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was the second best passer in this year's draft class, and I think don't Trey mention number the, one. Uh, not at all, <laughs> not at all, not at all. But uh, <laughs> I I do think them playing with more space and when Atlanta eventually adds more talent, mm-hmm. I think that's going to make Trey look a lot better. Um, the best player of the three right now, I would probably lean Torian Prince. Just because he, I don't know how much of a rep Torian Prince has just because he hasn't plays in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But um, he's not as good defensively as his profile would kind of lend you to believe. But he is still fine on that end. Um, he's a good slasher. And the three-point shooting on the volume that he had last year is really encouraging. Mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely room for him to become one of the better small fours in the league. Um, shot 41% from three on nearly eight attempts after the All-Star break last year, which is yeah. absurd yeah. Yeah. considering the talent around him. Um, I love Tony Prince. I'm still kind of hesitant on John Collins just because he has the athleticism to switch out. Um, he's also very thin, 
and he's never really profiled as a great rim protector. So I think his best position will probably be at the five. But if he, I, I just need to see more development development on the interior defensively, just to see how good he's going to be. But he's fun already. Um, mm-hmm. He's been well, practicing obviously you can't return yeah. to this podcast. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But uh, yeah, obviously he can dunk everything. Really good rebounder. Started add the corner three to his game late last year. Um, John Collins is going to be a very fun player for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like Atlanta has a good young core. They are not going to be good this year, but like the building blocks are there for them to eventually be good with those three guys in particular. I think. Um, that said, more they are not going to be very good this year, and they do have <laughs> breaking news. Kent Bazemore still, you know, just hanging out there, like having no place on a twenty-one team. Because he's a veteran and should be, you know, he's he fell off based on like he signed that big deal because right. he had a great year and then he kind of backslid a little bit. But he has that type of swingman three and D skill set that every contender covets. I think the yeah. contract is really the issue. Do you think they trade him by February? And if so, which teams do you think he? Uh, should be interested in him. Well, isn't that a false premise, though? You know, when when you have a young team, you shouldn't have any veterans. Like, I, I think it's necessary to have veterans, especially with a team like Atlanta that is that young. Like, you you need to have they they have new players on both guard spots, like Trey Young and Kevin Herter. I I mean, you know, Torian Prince is you know is, is just in his third season. Like, I think mm-hmm. you need a Kent Bazemore on this team to to set the tone from a veteran perspective. Like, just. Look, kiddo, go here, go here, move this way. You know, just to be on a, on a, a, small, a teacher on the court a little bit. I get that he has some value, and I get that mm-hmm. he's not locked on a Miami Heat four year contract, which is great. Like he was initially, but not right now. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Um, so, uh, yeah, just wait for until he's a free agent. Miami's going to be here's four. Here's four. <laughs> Um, but I think I think you need him. I think you need him around. I think he's. Mm. I think he provides more value to you in terms of being a guy who can take some pressure off the kids. Then he actually mm-hmm. fetches back in a, in a trade, unless you get a first rounder for him, and you won't. Right. If you get a yeah. first rounder, then you take it and you say, okay, you know what? Let's let's look at the free agency market and get someone older in. I know they have Vince, and that's a right. great asset. But you can't have just one guy holding down the fort, like from an yeah. age perspective. You you just can't. Like you need more. Right. You don't, yeah. you don't think Miles Plumlee is that guy? The- <laughs> hey, oh, you're right. Oh my. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like Jeremy Lin and Dwayne Dedman, but you're right. Otherwise, they are a very very young team. They are. Um, they are. Yeah. I, I think the the problem for them is going to be finding like finding a contender that can make a deal work salary wise. Like, I think you're right. They would struggle to get a first unless they take back a bad contract, which I think oh. is. Oh, Oh, I see yeah. where you're going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, if the player you get back is, you know, a, a an older player who's a willing teacher, mm-hmm. then yeah, you absolutely make a deal and take on more money. Are, are you thinking Nick Batum a little bit, Brian? Something no, I I don't even have a guy in mind because I don't think there's no point in Charlotte trading for him because like where are you going? Yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I don't I can't really think of a 
good place off the top of my head, like maybe Denver, I guess. No, no they're, they're I, not I, messing with their salary structure in any point right now. That's probably true. I guess they're super, super in the tax. Uh, well, Portland, not just that, if you but can they get out of good Evan Turner. Oh, oh man, that would be fun. It would be fun. Here's the thing, though. Like Atlanta is going for that, you know, that whole mentality of let's be the Houston Rockets of the East. Everyone should take like 16 three pointers a game. <laughs> right. So Evan Turner doesn't exactly fit that bill. Uh, yeah. I want to say. Uh, yeah. It's a good question, though. It's a good question, uh, and yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, you you should shop Ken Basemore in that regard. You should look for a veteran. And, and on a longer deal so you can squeeze out an asset. Absolutely. That's a good idea. Yeah. Go that route yeah. instead. Yeah. Yeah. I think if anyone's going to pursue him, I would keep an eye on Houston. Yeah. Um, I absolutely crushed the Ryan Anderson trade. I thought it was awful from Houston's perspective. But I think the only Thank thing you. that kind of saves You're welcome that is... back on the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kicking you off now. I like um, no, but um, I think the one thing that could possibly save it is if the thinking was, okay, we can't move Ryan Anderson in the first for a wing because his contract is too bad. Brandon Knight is a worse player, but he's yeah. a lot cheaper and he's younger. So maybe a team would be more willing to take on Brandon Knight in the first. And I think in that regard, that's where a Kent Bazemore swap becomes more um, more palatable. Good idea. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, outside of... Trey and Jeremy Lot and Jeremy Lin, they really don't have much backcourt depth. They're like much conventional backcourt depth. So yeah, that's actually interesting. Mm. I like it. Yeah. Alright, let's finish things up with a team that just gives me a perpetual headache to the Orlando <laughs> Magic. I mean, like, I have nothing nice to say about this team. Oh, you I, like I think, Aaron Gordon. I do, but I think yeah. like my huge issue with that, both them and the Phoenix Suns, but at least like the Phoenix Suns have a semi-balanced roster where I could sort of see this work. But like, I've been down this road with Philly a couple years ago. If you don't have a league average point guard, it doesn't matter if you have talent at the other positions. Like, you're still just going to get destroyed. They have nothing in terms of point guard depth. Like, it's just, are you, are you really going into the season? Thinking like, okay, yeah, it's gonna be what DJ Augustine and Jerry and Grant. It's the magic. What did you expect? What did you expect? It's the magic. And by the way, I love how I totally sounded like your wife. You love Aaron Gordon. (laughs) Come on here, honey. Love Aaron Gordon. I do. I mean, I like their front court, but like, and I like Evan Fournier. I like Terrence Ross. Like, they have talent in other positions. I like Jonathan Simmons too. Yeah. But if you're relying on those guys. It doesn't matter that you have good players in other positions because you need to get the ball to them, and you have no one who's going to be able to do that. Well, remember when I said Aaron Gordon could become a, you know, theoretically a rich man, Draymond, or a Draymond with athleticism? Right. Right. Obviously, that didn't come true. It won't come true. <laughs> Draymond no. is, yep. is a one-of-a-kind specimen. However... Yes. You know, we can agree that a guy like Aaron Gordon can at least handle the ball. Like, he can grab a rebound and he can push the ball in transition. So we talked about Denver. We had C.J. McBride on this pod. And we were talking about, like, Jamal Murray starts a point guard, but he's a traditional shooting guard. So is Gary Mm -hmm. Harris, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They've trotted out a team that doesn't really have, like, old-fashioned point guards. It is doable if you have playmakers at multiple 
positions. If mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon becomes a, a better playmaker, and I think he's shown the signs to do that, if Jonathan Isaac can handle the ball a little bit and also initiate the offense, if Evan Fournier can become a bit more of a playmaker than a shooter, even though that is his greatest strength, you can sort of, kind of, make a living that way. I'm not saying it's great. I am saying they certainly need someone who's a more capable ball handler, but they can cut some corners rather effectively. If you want a 25-win season. <laughs> I know. Look, again, that that's, that also comes into the lack of talent, though, as, yeah. at the same time. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. No, I, I'm not saying it's going to succeed. I'm just saying that's probably their mentality, and I sort of kind of right. get it. And, uh, you know, it's still Orlando, so obviously whatever they do, I'm still at least skeptical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't even give them that kind of benefit of the doubt, just to be honest with you. It looks yeah. like their their game plan is get wingspanned and figure out the rest. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's there's one hiring in the front office that makes that plan make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hammond is there. Mm, yeah. So I don't know, like that's kind of why I wrote about it um over the summer. While I love Mo Bamba, but I hated the pick for him. Yeah. Because it just kind of further compounded their roster issues. Like in theory, um Bamba, Gordon and Isaac in the front court is terrifying defensively. Mm-hmm. But if nobody can shoot, and to Brian's point, they don't have a point guard, like, what does it matter? <laughs> right, right. Like, it would yeah. not surprise me at all if Orlando is, like, the eighth best defense in the league this year, and they're, like, 29th on offense. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. What, what, is it, what does it mean? Like, right. It just doesn't seem to be much of a plan outside of let's get long guys that are athletic, and let's see what else happens. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> you know, we we have been – since the start of this podcast, I feel like it's an annual tradition to shit on Orlando for making Aaron Gordon play out of position. And, like, to your point, that's what the Mo Bamba pick does again. Like, now you have, in theory, if your long-term front court is Gordon, Isaac, and Bamba, who's playing the three? It's Aaron Gordon. No, Who shouldn't it, be playing the no, three? No, no, Isaac is going to play the three. Isn't Isaac, like, 6'11"? Yeah, he, he is. is. He is. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. But, yeah, he's he's definitely the three in that alignment. Yeah, he he is. He's a little but, bit more fluid. But here's the thing, though. He's just he's so raw. You don't really know. Like w- I know a lot of people are on the Jonathan Isaac is a four wagon, mm-hmm. and that's and that's fine. But we've seen so little of him in in the NBA so far. We can't like we can't really have a, a proper understanding so far of what he can do. So I'm still mm-hmm. willing to test that out. Jonathan Isaac at the three. But if it's if it's clear within you know the first couple of months that he should be a four, then they they need to do something, obviously. Right. And then now you also have Nikola Vucevic, who he's on an expiring contract, so this isn't a long term problem. But in theory, he's your starting center at least to start the year. So, Nikias, if you're the Magic, you know we're we're talking about front court logjam here. Like again, I'm just getting like 2015 Philly vibes from this team all over again, and right. like. Other teams know this. This is what kind of screwed Philly when they were trying to deal Nerlens Noel and Julio Okafor, aside from, you know, the, the off-court stuff for both players, was, like, other teams, when they're, when another team can exploit leverage over you, they're going to. Just look at what's happening with Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves right now. Like, other teams know Nikola Vucevic is an expiring contract, and the Magic have spent multiple lottery picks in recent years on bigs so they need to get rid of him that said like should the magic just like be having a fire sale and say like 
get your best offers in for Nikola Vucevic by <laughs> February 1st because he's going out the door. Um, they absolutely should. I just don't know where. Like, I was thinking about this before the show. Like, what makes sense for him? Because I guess there are teams where he can start, but ideally you want him as, like, a six-man, as a guy that kind of holds your bench offense up. Um, but I really couldn't think of anyone that made sense. Um, you know, Boston kind of, but then who do they trade for him? Because there isn't anybody, you know, it feels like Boston would kind of give up more to take in Vooch. Um, mm-hmm. Memphis, maybe. Um, like it's, I don't know. Indiana obviously doesn't need another big man. Um, right. Well, why? I mean, but, there's an obvious answer looking both of you in the face right now. Just ship him to Sacramento and say, <laughs> and you know, tell Vladi he's a point guard. Yeah. You it know really what? Work. I mean, he will be the big man on the team that can shoot. So yeah, like Lottie, elite, so. look, Vladi, he can hit threes. Look at his three point f- field goal percentage. He's a three, Vladdy. Oh, that's but we have Marvin Backley at the three. We can't move Marvin Backley to the two. Oh, sure, sure. I just can't believe how poorly Orlando has mismanaged this. And Sacramento's the only other team that's come close in like the big man situation, which is pretty telling. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, like with the Philly thing, at least you sort of went BPA every time. Like, I'm not totally convinced Orlando did. I think, as you said, Nikias, they're just, like, infatuated with wingspan. And mm. especially with the Isaac pick, they were just like, oh, yeah, he's really long. But then they were like, oh, wait, but Bamba's even longer. We, how do we say no? We just have to. So, may, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe you have to just assume Gordon and Bamba are the pieces and they're just going to, like, have to sell low on Isaac at some point, especially because... You know, as you said, Mort, he just didn't play that much last year. I think he already has hurt an ankle this year. Like, it might just be better to cut bait soon before teams figure out, like, you know, maybe he's not going to stay healthy or maybe he's not going to live up to that draft pick, like, status like Mario Hazonia did. Well, you, uh, I mean, the, he, uh, okay, the Mario Hazonia thing, that, that's that's different, though. That's That's Orlando fucking up in a different way. That's them not picking up his fourth-year option, though. Right. Like, they didn't right. cut bait in the sense of, hey, let, let's trade him to get an asset in return. They decided, hey, we don't want an asset at all. Right. <laughs> I know. Because yeah. it's, it's oh, the Orlando God. way. I just I hate this team so much. It just makes me so mad. Because, like, I, I really do like a lot of the players on this roster, but, yeah. like, I just have zero faith. So that's that's really my question with Orlando is, like, I'd say that the Hawks and the Knicks are the popular picks for the worst team in the East. The Knicks, just because we're assuming Kristaps Porzingis misses a lot of the season, and the Hawks, just because they're so young and relying on a lot of unproven talent. Right. Do you think? Do you guys think there's any chance Orlando's actually the worst team in the East this year? Uh, I'm going to say no, just because I think their defense is going to give them a floor. If they can they can catch a team that doesn't take them seriously off guard and kind of stifle them. They can kind of mm-hmm. eke out those nine three eighty seven games. But yeah, they're they're going to be pretty bad because the team just does not make much sense. And God bless Steve Clifford for having to try to clean that up. <laughs> I <know. laughs> like I, I just don't know how they score points. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if Evan Fournier doesn't turn into a twenty five point per game scorer, they're screwed. 
It's weird because, I mean, like, even in Charlotte, I mean, obviously Kimball was there, but you could at least say, all right, Kimball, we're going to run high pick and roll with you. You're going to pull up from three or you're going to get to the rim, and that's how we're going to manufacture looks. Mm-hmm. DJ Augustine can shoot, but, okay. I mean, if DJ Augustine has to be your lead ball handler, you can't expect much. Yeah, and He's a very good reserve, but he's miscast right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh... – this team's going to be a disaster. I'm sorry, Orlando fans. <laughs> one day it'll get better, I hope. I like Maybe at, the Lakers is the one team that like just doesn't have a center right now, so maybe Vucevic could they could you know trade like, KCP yeah. for him. But well, That's really it. I don't... <laughs> yeah. Hang on. I'm just, you're just, you said that the future is going to be better. I'm just looking at the, the 2019 draft pool. Oh, no, the future is not going to get better. <laughs> that's, that's not great. Oh boy! Well, that's a good place to wrap things up. <laughs> now that now that we've lost every Magic fan that ever listened to our pod, I think it's probably time. Uh, so, Nikias, thank you again for joining us. Uh, remind our listeners one more time where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. You can find me on Twitter at Nikias NBA N E K I A S NBA. You can catch my words at Miami Heat Beat, B Ball Breakdown eventually, on the B Ball Index eventually. And if you have podcast, if you want to me on your podcast, hit me up. I'm trying to get reps, so I am here. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely have you back on at some point this season because Lord knows Miami's going to be interesting. Hopefully, this Jimmy <laughs> Butler thing gets resolved soon for your own sake. But in the meantime, please, everyone, give Nikias a follow, if only for the entertainment when he sends these <laughs> just eyeballs tweets. It's really, it is really good stuff. Uh, <laughs> In the meantime, please give us a follow on Twitter as well, at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow, too. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And you can find us now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Nikias Duncan. Have a good one, guys. Uh, Luka Doncic should have been kept by Atlanta. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes in store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.